attend to their needs and encourage and strengthen and empower the people close to them to make true and real your promises and your word. Father, uh, teach us this day because we're like little children. We really need your help and your wisdom. We bless you in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I've got a two-fold job. And my first job is to teach you the book of Ephesians. So that is an overriding concern for me. And you'll see what my second job is in just a minute when we get into the specific lesson for today. But because of my second job, you're going to see a lot more teachers in this class. And because of that, I'm going to have to do review occasionally to make sure everybody grasps it. Because when we finish the book, I want Lindsay to be able to say, well, this is what the book of Ephesians is about. And so let me just start by saying this. Um, we'll pick Stephen. When Ashley got married to Stephen, her last name became Cox. And when she has, which they already have, Courtney, is it? Courtney. When Courtney grows up, they're going to say, who are you, Courtney? She says, well, I'm Cox. Because that's who she is. The book of Ephesians starts out, the first 14 verses, with who we are. And the last name of who we are kind of determines who you are. In this case... He says who you are is, first of all, you were chosen, and then you were adopted by God, and then you were redeemed, and then you were enlightened, and then you were enriched, and you were sealed. That's who you are. That's your family. And when somebody asks you who you are, well, that's who I am. So the last, from that point right there, all the way to the end of chapter 3, talks about basically who you are, and then what you get from who you are. So it's your family name and, how shall I say, your brothers and cousins. <clears throat> there are three things you get. That's the last half of chapter 1 when he says he prays and he prays because they recognize you don't understand who you are. Because of that, he says, I want you to know three things. I want you to know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of glory of your inheritance, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward you who believe. So I want you to know your calling, your inheritance, and your power. So, and then your calling, he'll tell you that's all of chapter 2. Your inheritance is all of chapter 3. And your power is the end of chapter 1. That's all of chapter 1. Excuse me, that's the first half of the book. Now, pass out. Everybody should have one of these to look at. Anybody not have one of these? <sighs> We've got a couple extras up here if you want them. Raise your hand. Ruth. 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 What was Ruth's last name? I forgot. Missionary in China. She came up with a with the outline for the book of Ephesians. And her outline 
was sit, walk, stand. Real simple and easy. Sit was who you are and what you get. That's your family name and your cousins, who you are and what you get. That's the sit. Walk is what we're starting to do now, and that is what you do with who you are and what you get. Now, God has blessed Aaron Castle, and he says, Aaron, this is who you are. Castle's your last name. If you forget it, your dad will tell you. And you've got six things that make up who you are. And then you're going to get three things. You're going to get a calling. You're going to get an inheritance. You're going to get power to do it. And so he starts now in chapter 4. And you've got five walks. Walk in integrity. Walk in truth. Walk in love. Walk in light. Walk in wisdom. And we'll have different teachers. And that's the reason that I'm reviewing this. Because I want you to understand that it has a unity to the whole book. The author has one thing in mind when he, when he sketches it. And I want Sahara to be able to repeat that and to teach it to Francisco. <laughs> Backwards, sorry about that. Um, when you finish. The last part is the stand. And that's the defense. Now turn the page. And you see my outline. Hers is much simpler and easier to remember. Sit, walk, stand. Mine is the revelation, the administration, and the defense. Same three breakdowns. The revelation, chapter 1, 2, and 3. The administration, 4, 5, and the first half of 6. The defense, last half of 6. And you can see the administration is darkened because that's where we are. Now, Matt kicked us off with that two weeks ago. And... Now turn the page. And you should be looking at this. Everybody with me? Chris Blue, are you with me on chapter on page three? Yes, sir. Super. Page three. Walk in integrity. And underneath it, there's three things he wants you to do. Preserve unity, recognize diversity, and exercise giftedness. Matt shared with us the need to preserve unity. This whole thing God has designed, he says, how am I going to picture this so they'll understand it and grasp it? He says, it's like a body. Robert, hold up your hand. Now, other hand. Now, I want you to shake your head back and forth. And guess what? All of those things must happen. And if this hand says to this hand, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do then he's got problems with his body. If Lindsay cannot control her feet, watch, well, I have a problem with that sometimes. Now, <laughs> if Lindsay can't control her feet, she's got problems. The body is a unity and it functions as a unity. And if there's not unity in the body, you got problems. we got problems in River City. For those of you that have seen the musical film, and that's probably too old for you guys. <laughs> Never heard of River City. Okay. So, unity. Command. Preserve unity. Secondly, diversity. Recognize diversity. Now, turn the sheet. When he said diversity, he said, look, I recognize that everybody in here is one. Your body, you've got, but you're one body, but there are many parts to that body. And so he says, recognize diversity. 
Now he's listed, and I've got four places they're listed. Come right in and find a chair. There's four right here. You can lay down and sleep. <laughs> if you can stay awake. Okay, um, the four places that you can go and look, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, 11, all have listings of where the spiritual gifts are. And just like I've got one nose and two ears, I've got two eyes and two feet, I've got ten fingers like all of you do, everybody has these different parts to their body. He says, I want unity, but I want you to recognize diversity. And we will look for the next two weeks starting today at the emphasis on diversity, diversity, diversity. You don't got diversity of gift, then you got real problems. So, are you with me so far? You understand he's going. So he said, look, this is who you are. This is what you get. I want you to employ them in such a way that the body will grow up. It grows as an entity. It just, it just, it grows naturally. The little kite, all Kiara has to do is feed it, and guess what? It grows. She doesn't make it grow. She says, now stop if you don't grow. She just feeds it, and it grows. And you will grow naturally so long as you feed yourself and get a little exercise. You'll grow naturally. You feed yourself by the book, and you grow wisely if you feed yourself well. All right, next page. Now we'll go to the long sheet. The three things we learn, we have to maintain unity, we have to exercise diversity, and the third thing we said, and I didn't emphasize that enough, was exercise giftedness. He says, you've got to exercise the gifts. If Derek doesn't bend his elbow three times a day, he will lose weight. He's got to eat. And part of that is the exercise of the elbow. That's just a gift. <clears throat> An elbow is a gift, just like a vertebrae. Your back is a gift. And your nose is a gift. All those are different gifts that are working in harmony. Now, this is the exercise of those gifts. <clears throat> And he starts, and Sean, read chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Now, we're going to take this week and next week to cover this. But we're going to do the first part of it today. 11 through 16, uh, 4. Ephesians chapter 4. 1, 2, 3, 4. And this long sheet, uh, as he reads it, look on the long sheet, and you can follow it on your long sheet as he reads it. building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together 
by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Okay, that's a very, very complex paragraph. And it'd be really hard to read if you just had to read it like that. But if you break it down grammatically so that you see it in its correct sections, the title for this is God's Program for Bodybuilding or God's Gymnasium, if you want to just shorten it. This is how God plans on Paul building up. And by the way, so you, that's, your family is your family name. So um, let's give Balangie... His dad had 10 brothers, okay? And Jordan had 10 brothers. She was the only sister. Paul had one sister. So between them, they have 21 uh, cousins, right? His father, her mother, 10, 10 cousins, cousins, cousins. They're all, because both of those are Balangies, they're all going to be Balangies. Forty Balangies. So when you say, well, who are you? I'm a Balangie. That should say something. In fact, Paul's dad says, act like a Balangie, buddy. That's who you are. He wants us to act who we are. And the cousin's the same way. If his dad does it right, we all act the same way. That's where you get the unity. Act who you are. I can remember that came out very clearly when John Kennedy was uh, president, and he used to tell little John, John, you're a Kennedy, buddy. Because the Kennedy meant something. And, if, and a believer should mean something. Just when, when Robert says, hey, I'm a believer in Jesus, oh, you're one of those. That means, and everybody who's joined that is part of that family. Now, that's the cousin, but you have your only individual family, and that's your, you and your wife and your three kids. That's your little unique family. But you have the big family, and that's all the believers. So we got all the believers, and then we got all the believers in this church, and then the different churches. And that's where you get the big body. He's talking about here how you develop your individual body and the big body. So he starts out, and he says... Now, some were apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. When was this written? What year, roughly? 65 AD. 65 AD is a good guess. Early, early. This is just, the, the church started, Jesus was crucified in 33. Uh, the Holy Spirit came and the church was born in like 35, something like that. So this is 65, this is 30 years. Just getting started. And when it gets started, because they didn't have all the scripture then, they had apostles and prophets. And those guys wrote the scripture, and when a prophet spoke, he spoke scripture. What he spoke was what God wanted. But those two gifts have passed away. So those were temporary gifts, and then apostles and evangelists, excuse me, teachers and evangelists, are permanent gifts. And when somebody comes along and says to you today, say, I'm an apostle. Oh, 
you know they're either a believer and they've been taught wrong or they are really, really way far out if they think they're an apostle. As Sean shared last week, somebody says, I'm El Shaddai. Well, buddy, then walk on water. I mean, if you can't walk on water, you ain't no one, you just are not there. So, those two are two permanent gifts and two, uh, two temporary gifts. Now, notice the permanent gift of evangelist. And again, now notice how I put pastor, teacher. That's a joint word. And the pastor, teacher is one person with dual gift. He is a pastor, teacher. So he pastors, he shepherds, and he also teaches. Are you with me so far? All this is talking about this is how we walk out who you are. So everybody in this room, by the way, everybody in this room has a gift. Jack Ward has a gift. And guess what? He contributes it to the body. And without Jack Ward's contribution to the body, we're in trouble. We will be diminished to the extent that he does not exercise his gift in our presence. And I hope to so vividly illustrate that point uh, next week that Kiara will say, well, Blake, tell me what my gift is because I really want to exercise my gift. Because we need you and we need your gift. Everybody. Now, up here on the board, I said, he's given us the pastor-teacher and he has given us the evangelist. And then he says, for the equipping of the saints unto the work of service, unto the building up the body of Christ. This little word right here, pros, is where we get our preposition for. Ace is unto and unto. Huge, huge difference between those two. Very, very important you make that distinction. And here's the reason why. He is given, the pastor teacher is given his gift for the equipping of the saints. Now, Chase mentioned that last week. I want to take a minute and just expand on that word. Let me give you three other places that same word is used. So turn in your Bibles to um, Matthew 4.21. The word is katartismon in the Greek, which I've written up here, katartismon. And what does it mean? Because this is what the pastor teacher's job is. It means to equip. And it's a good translation. So how do you equip? What does the equipper do? Who's got, who has uh, Matthew 4.21? Read it, Blake. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Stop. So Jesus is out fishing for men, and he sees two guys in the boat, 
and they were mending their nets. So if you fish with a net and your net has got a break in it somewhere, the fish are going to swim through the break. And the way you do it, you take another piece of twine and you tie it on two ends of the pieces that are broken and you mend the net. And so the pastor teacher's job is to mend the body. So if he's got two people that aren't talking to one another, his job is to say, now, Ben, your problem is you and Trey are vying for the same position and Trey calls you, um, well, I don't want to say that out loud. And so you guys aren't talking. And I Trey, you know that's not what you should be doing. He's your brother and, you should, and I'm in the process of mending the net. My wife is one of the best met menders, excuse me, net menders that you can get because I've seen her take people who are destined for divorce and destruction and mend the net and put it back together. So that's one of the ministries of the pastor teacher. The second one is, is Hebrews 10.5. Turn to Hebrews 10.5. Somebody read it when you get there. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not decided, but the body you have prepared for me. Okay, so this is, the author of Hebrews is quoting from the Old Testament, and in the quote he says, when he came into the world, who's he talking about there? Jesus. Right, he's talking about Jesus. When the Father sent the Son into the world, what did he do? What did he do in terms of the body? He what? Prepared a body. He prepared a body. Cotertisman. He prepared a body. And so, Scott is going to go out in the midst. He's in the military. And next week, he's going to go on base. And the first officer he sees is going to say, Hi, how are you? We're so glad to have you here. What can I do to help you around? No, that ain't the way it is. And, um, and they're gonna, some of the people on base are going to call you names. Did you know that? And they're not going to be fun names. And they're going to yell at you until you get your act together. And how am I supposed to respond to that? How am I supposed to take my name, which Jesus has given me, and act like who he is on base under all that kind of pressure? That's my job as a teacher. I am to prepare him for what goes on in this coming week. So that when he comes out and he slams it on his finger, what does he say? Praise God. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what you say. <laughs> when you're sitting in the grocery store, I mean, you're sitting in the parking lot, and all of a sudden you, your car shakes and you realize they just backed into you, and you jump out and say, praise the Lord. <clears throat> if you've been prepared, you recognize God knew about this all along. He is maybe preparing somebody to for you to share Jesus with. So be nice, because you want to talk to them about Jesus. Who cares about the dead in the car? It's only a car. It's simple. They've got an eternal soul. I learned to look at life from a different perspective 
because I sat in the class and somebody told me I'm preparing you this week for what happens. Now, Kai is going to cry at 2 o'clock, at 4 o'clock, at 6 o'clock, and it's never p.m., it's always a.m., and that means that Kelly's going to kick Blake out of it. No, Blake can't feed him. So he says, get out of bed, Kyota, and feed Kai. He's keeping me awake. And And I am preparing both Kiara and Blake for how to respond when little Kai screams, more, more. That's what the pastor teacher does. Look at, and flip over lastly to Galatians 6 1. Again, same use of the word katartisman. Somebody read it. Whoa, restore. Cotter Tisman. The pastor's teacher job is to restore. That means to set the bone. It's a medical term used in the medical field to set bones. The bone is broken, set the bone. Interestingly enough, uh, set the bone. Now flip over to um, 2 Corinthians 2 7, and I'll show you the result of Paul setting the bone. Second Corinthians 2, 7. Read it, somebody. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So this is the guy that was actually sleeping with his mother-in-law, with his father's wife. So probably the father's divorced, got a young wife. The son got eyes. It stunk. It was so rancid in the depth of the depravity. And Paul said, kick him out of the church. And so, but he said, after they had exercised the discipline, he repented. And then he says, and read it again. So he becomes so sorrowful that he walks away from the faith. You don't want him to do that. You want to discipline him, but you want to restore him. The purpose is restoration. Does that make sense? So when this is practiced correctly, when he equips the saints, then guess what happens? The saints do the work of the service. So the problem is not so much for me, it's for me saying to Kyle, this is what I want you to do. When Kyle goes on base and he sees Derek having a fist fight with somebody else, he says, Derek, Derek, don't do that. You're not, you're not showing Jesus right. And so when you begin ministering to each other, then that is what, that shows the effectiveness. So what I'm telling you is, if I can get up here and sing and dance 
so that you say, wow, wow, look at him sing, look at him dance, this is great. I'm going to come back. That didn't squat. When I can teach you to sing and dance so that people stand around and look at you and listen to what you say, then that means I did well. That's what it's about. That's what it's after. And our problem is we tend to lift me up. Now, I'll be honest with you. I feel really good when Sam says to Taylor, says, man, he's really good. He's great. (laughs) Guess I am. Baloney. When he says to her, you know what? I'm equipped this week. I can do battle for Jesus. And I'm going to go out and win somebody on this base. Then that that's and he didn't even mention me. That that's when that's when God says, You did a good job, Bill. If all I can get you to do is clap, then I'm doing a lousy job. And that's the truth. But when I get you to go out and do what God told me to tell you to do, and you do it well, and the impact is they do the work of service, they build up the body of Christ. I don't build up the body of Christ. The equipping of the saints, the saints build up the body of Christ. So last week, I believe it was Jack, brought a visitor. Is that right? Guess what was happening? He was encouraging somebody to come, stick their straw in the trough and drink. And that's how you build up the body of Christ. You go out and you get somebody, you bring them in. I didn't do it. He did it. I didn't even ask him. He did it because he recognized that's what I'm supposed to do as a part of the body of Christ. Pros ace. Very, very important that you recognize that this guy's job is to equip this guy's job and this guy's job is the work of the ministry. Amen. So, it gives me more pleasure to hear how Sean Gordon wanders into a gym with a bunch of sweaty, stinky, smelling gym rats and shares Jesus I get so much more pleasure out of that than I do me sharing Jesus with somebody because God has given me the opportunity to influence him and I recognize because of my influence on him he is out doing this and this and this and see our problem is I just really enjoy being up front. I enjoy having you clap. And let's build a bigger church so more people can come and clap for me. That, that's called the attraction model. And it is not the biblical model. The biblical model is that angel goes out and does the work of the ministry. That Chris Blue shares with the guys that are working for him. And this guy sits down and tells him how, man, my wife wrecked my car. I don't know how we're going to eat. And Chris takes two hours out of a valuable day. It may cost him the job. But he recognizes this guy is an eternal soul. And my responsibility is to spend time where God has put me. Out in the marketplace. So this week, if you want to encourage me and you want to make God excited, you do 
the work of the ministry. And I'll be so excited. And we'll come back and talk about the rest of this passage next week. So, Matt, close in a word of prayer, please, sir. Glad to have you back, brother. What are, are you? I, I don't know how far you can plan out June third. Any, anything going on June third? June third? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have okay. no idea. I what? know it's far out. Um, yeah. That's when I get promoted. Oh, I'm so I want to invite you. Uh, I'd love to be there. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, so first, yeah.
I didn't turn the 